This podcast is brought to you by the World Apostolate to Fatima USA, a public association of the faithful devoted to spreading the authentic message of Fatima. Hello, this is Barb Ernster with the World Apostolate of Fatima, and today on Fatima Presents, we are happy to have Dr. Mary Shivanandan join us on the show. Dr. Shivanandan is a retired professor of theology from the John Paul II Institute in Washington, D.C., where she specialized in the theological anthropology of St. John Paul II. She is the author of a number of books on marriage and family and maintains a blog on her website. She is also a mother and a grandmother. Dr. Shivanandan, thank you for joining us on our podcast. We're so glad you were able to join us today. I'm very glad to have this opportunity to speak to you at uh, Fatima Presents. And you and I had a conversation last week about your new book on the Holy Family. It's called The Holy Family Model, Not Exception. And this is the result of many years of study on the theology of marriage and family, especially from the works of St. John Paul II. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Uh, Yes, I should probably go back further because um, my education was in classics at Cambridge University in England. And when we married, um, I started to write articles uh, and that fitted in very well with marriage uh, because I had worked at the BBC and CBC radio. Mm-hmm. And then when Paul VI asked for writers to donate some of their talents to writing about uh, the church and matters of interest, that was when I began to write about marriage and family and uh, natural family planning. And then, of course, in 1968 came his great encyclical on Humanae Vitae. Mm-hmm. So uh, before I uh, I was offered a fellowship to the Institute in 1988, uh, and then I did my doctorate on John Paul II. But as you can see, I had quite a uh, background in marriage and family before even mm-hmm. going to the Institute. Okay. Well, this is why I wanted to talk to you, because given the importance of family and the message of Fatima, we wanted to explore this topic. And we will get into the Fatima message a little bit further as we go along. But first, if you could give us some historical context for us, especially on the church's teaching on marriage and family. That has really not changed over the centuries, but what has changed, perhaps, is our deeper understanding of the mystery of the sacrament of marriage and the covenant union of the man and the woman. So can you summarize for us how Pope Paul VI's encyclical Humanae Vitae and St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body has helped advance our understanding of the church's teaching? Well, I'd like to start with your the, with the question on John Paul II, uh, since that's what I that's what I've really studied. So, in order to clarify the Church's teaching on marriage and family, he went back to the beginning, as Christ did in his answer to the Pharisees in Matthew 19 and Mark 10 on the question of divorce. And Christ said, even if Moses allowed it, it was not so in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in fact, the distortions came from original sin. So that it is noteworthy that in the very last homily, John Paul II says they were written to explicate the encyclical Humanae Vitae. Uh, And in that encyclical, of course, Pope Paul VI reaffirmed the Church's teaching on the inseparable connection between the unitive and procreative dimensions of conjugal intercourse. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's important to note that the encyclical itself was an advance in giving importance to the unitive dimension, not just the procreative. Mm -hmm. So 
if we really look at John Paul II's great contribution, it was to emphasize that human beings are first of all persons with intellect and will in an special relationship with God who created them in his image and likeness. And he also insisted that they image God more in communion than as solitary individuals, which means they are always open to relationship. Mm -hmm. For example, being created as masculine and feminine persons, their bodies are ordered to communion. But he did insist that every new relationship as spouse, as mother or father, must affirm their dignity, first of all, as persons, so that uh, there was no diminution of of who they were as persons. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems that everything began to break down in marriage and family with the acceptance of contraception. Are there any signs in our culture or even in the Catholic Church that Pope Paul VI was right? And 50 years of contraception has not delivered what it promised. I think that uh, he forecast what would happen, and I think that it has happened in our culture. Uh, And it's interesting that a secular author, Rudolf Binion, has documented from 19th century novels on marriage and family life that contraception is at the heart of the difficulties described. So um, if we look at the history, rubber was vulcanized in 1844, and that enabled the manufacture of condoms. But it was the development of the uh, hormonal contraceptive pill that triggered the sexual revolution of the 1960s, and nothing has been the same since then. And I would just say that uh, Dr. Patrick Fagan, whom I've worked with, and he's the author of the online Maripedia, which uh, uh, is really uh, uh, about a lot of the studies he, he, he puts on that site. Um, but he had documented the negative effects, particularly on children. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some examples of what he's documented? Well, I think uh, the statistics on divorce um, will, would uh, speak for themselves mm-hmm. if uh, 50% of marriages now fail. So this means that uh, children are either growing up in single-parent homes or with a step um, in homes where there is a stepfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he is documents that this has effect on education, on religious worship, everything. Mm-hmm. Well, this brings us back to the Holy Family. I was particularly fascinated with your study of the role of St. Joseph in the Holy Fa- Family. And I don't think people quite understand his significance in God's plan of redemption, and nor do they really accept the mystery of his role. Can you explain what you meant in your book by Joseph's fiat in corresponding to Mary's fiat at the Annunciation? Well, um, first of all, I'd like to say that men have been very perceptive to my book um, Uh uh, up to now. And incidentally, Dr. Fagan, who is the father of eight children, was one of those who could not see St. Joseph, who had no conjugal intercourse, as a model for husbands. Mm -hmm. And then as a result of reading my book, um, a light bulb went off for him. And he saw that the most important aspect of marriage was affirming the spouse or the child more than any physical expression. Although, of course, that is something God has given most marriages. 
Mm-hmm. And St. Joseph is a witness to that. And I don't know whether you know that, uh, that Teresa of Avila, who had a great devotion to St. Joseph, uh, even proposed that he died of love. Mm-hmm. That nobody, uh, and certainly um, John Paul II said that, it, it, that nobody had greater love for his wife than Joseph did oh, for Mary. That's really a beautiful so, statement, yeah, a beautiful understanding of him. Yes, it, it's a different understanding of love. So if, um, with regard to Joseph's fiat, God wanted his son to be born into a family. Um, and now I think it's important, I know this because my husband was from a Hindu, the Hindu culture, but Jewish betrothal, like traditional Hindu betrothals today, um, the consent to the marriage is given in the betrothal ceremony, and it has the force of marriage itself. So mm-hmm. in other words, consent makes the marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when it is consummated, it becomes uh, indissoluble. Mm-hmm. So for us, it, in the Christian life, it becomes a sacrament. So, But without Joseph's role as the husband and father, the Holy Family could not be a true family. Mm-hmm. But this understanding only came about gradually in salvation history. And it's interesting, I have found it very interesting, that his role developed at the same time as the whole concept of the Holy Family. So mm-hmm. it had to be established first by the fathers of the church that Jesus was truly God. And so that was what the first controversies were about. Mm -hmm. Um, And in fact, Mary was proclaimed theotokos, or mother of God, and the the public um, veneration of her increased um, at the Council of Ephesus in 431. And for that same reason, and now for St. Joseph, uh, it took many more centuries that it really wasn't until the 19th century that there were a lot of papal pronouncements on Joseph. Mm-hmm. So his role continues to develop, and we, we can talk yes. a little bit more about that yes. as we yes. move along. But also, uh, in the 19th century, there developed the whole idea of the communion of persons. Uh-huh. And uh, so philosophically, that has been very important too. But, you, you know, men are challenged by Joseph's lack of conjugal intercourse. Mm-hmm. And we have to say that our culture is obsessed by sex. Mm-hmm. And it claims it as everyone's right. And this really does negate many aspects, uh, other aspects of love. Yes, I, I know I've met, talked to several Catholic men who have trouble with that, that he would have entered into a marriage that wasn't going to <laughs> provide. So it is a difficulty in our culture. Uh, I think it's particularly difficult in our culture where um, there is the idea that everyone, uh, you know, whatever their age has a right to sex and whatever their condition of life. And they're forgetting about uh, the sacrifice and they're forgetting about intimacy. I remember a story on TV um, where the, the interviewer interviewed three couples and he wanted to find out what was it that kept their marriages together? Uh, and they were all different. Everyone mm-hmm. was different. Um, and then finally, the one thing that was in common between them, that their mother said, never divorce, never wow. divorce. Mm-hmm. So working through the difficulties and negotiating those difficulties 
making the sacrifice for each other can be as much an aspect of love as mm-hmm. the physical act. Well, and Joseph then obviously sacrificed a lot to be the father of Jesus and the protector and spouse of Mary. Yes, and I think we also forget that that that, that Christ was present uh, in the in the marriage, and uh, so that for the consecrated celibate. Um, they have that intimacy with Christ. Well, getting on to the Fatima message, people who have studied the Fatima apparitions believe that the appearance of the Holy Family at the final apparition in October was very significant. As many of our listeners know, Mary appeared, and to her left was St. Joseph holding the child Jesus, and they, the two of them appeared to be blessing the world. But earlier in the July apparition, Our Lady warned about Russia's atheistic communism spreading throughout the world. And communism, as you know, sought to break down the family and to bring down the Christian civilization and the church by breaking down morality from within. And we know that they've been hugely successful over the last century. So therefore, the appearance of the Holy Family at the final apparition seems to have a particular meaning for us and is very particular to this time in history. So I wanted to ask, what is your take on this? Do you, have you ever pondered this well, I I think it is significant. Um, I, I hadn't pondered particularly on that, but I think it is significant. And incidentally, I don't know whether you're aware that St. Joseph is also in the Knock apparitions in uh, Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, and St. John Paul II was confronted uh, that in studying him, he was confronted with the atheism of communism. Mm-hmm. So, but when he came to the West, he saw the challenges, particularly to the family. Not that he wasn't aware of them in communism, but uh, um, he he developed the whole concept of the human being as a person, first and foremost in relationship to God, because of the atheism in uh, communism. Mm-hmm. Now, there's not, there hasn't been the same atheism in the West, although it's increasing, but. Uh, he, he developed there for these challenges to the family the concept of the communion of persons, especially in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Fatima is about um, modernism, and modernism does promote the autonomous individual free through science to remake itself, and we would have to say godless science to remake itself and to develop any kind of family form. And modernism also promotes sex expressionism, free of any relational ties. Um, so this is not according to Christian revelation, which sees covenant sexuality as the great gift of marriage alone. Mm-hmm. But it is subject to God's laws, which respect the person, both the man and the woman. So mm-hmm. St. Joseph is important in showing the vital role of the husband and father according to God's designs, which means attentiveness to male chastity. So his role, I believe, will continue to develop in the church's aims in restoring marriage and family going forward. Yes, yes. Uh, That and uh, the relationship to Christ uh, Uh is is very important. Seems like we're coming into that time of St. Joseph. And just for our uh, listeners' sake, can you talk a little bit more about the his appearance at Knock Ireland? Well, um, in in Knock Ireland, there is uh, there is Our Lady, and on either side is Saint Joseph, 
and on the other side is um, St. John. It's almost as if uh, she is the mother of consecrated celibacy and of, of uh, the, the marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was the cross with the lamb. Okay. So uh, that uh, that seems to me to say something about the family. It's, I mean, it it's not it's not easy um, to live this way, but uh, but the the great gift of of uh, uh, marriage uh, is uh, conjugal uh, marriage as covenant. Um, what Dr. Patrick Fagan shows is that um, those who have this understanding of marriage have a much richer conjugal relationship and actually a sexual relationship. Well, that should be good news for a lot of men out there. (laughs) Yes. Men and women, I should say. Moving on with our questions, um, St. John Paul II pointed out that just as there is a married couple at the beginning of the Old Covenant, Adam and Eve, who unleashed evil on the world, So at the New Covenant, which renews all things in Christ, there is a married couple, Mary and Joseph. And from them, holiness spreads all over the earth. And the Holy Family is the original domestic church. But to imitate them requires an understanding of what God desires from husbands and fathers and from wives and mothers. Can these separate but distinctive roles be properly understood in our age when feminism and materialism and same-sex unions and so many other ideas have taken root? Well, it's certainly a challenge. Um, and this is one reason that I wrote the book, The Holy Family is uh, is not the exception, but the model for families. And uh, I have specific parag- uh, chapters on maternity um, and the spousal relation and on um, paternity and maternity, uh, also on the child. Um, so that the holy family is not is is not the exception, mm-hmm. um, and I have said something of, of uh, about what God's God demands of men as husbands and fathers, in terms of respect for the personhood of the woman, and the virtue and sacrifice of marital chastity. And here I'd like to say again that it can make uh, conjugal intercourse much richer. I mean, mm-hmm. every every husband knows that uh, if he's treated his well wife uh, during the day, that uh, she's much yeah. more open to mm-hmm. um, his embrace in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, uh, and this is very important, he is also the leader in the family, um, and he must provide protection for the vulnerable mother and child, especially when she is nursing. Mm-hmm. But as a mother, she doesn't cease to be a person, so he needs to support her gifts and talents. Um, I know John Paul II, in one of his plays, he has the mother say, uh, "I'm to you, I'm just a mother. So she, on the other hand, needs to take the mothering role seriously mm-hmm. and at the same time receive from him his fathering role, which is different. Too, too many these days see these roles as interchangeable. They're not interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, there are specific ways in which the, the mother uh, tends to the child and, um, and the father plays with the child. Mm-hmm. And these don't diminish each other either. They support each other. And, and it seems to me that, that it's, it brings that balance to the marriage too. Yes, yes, it does. 
um, I, they, they, they are different, but they are complementary, mm-hmm. and they mustn't take over each other's roles. And as you mentioned before, John Paul II talked about marriage and family being a communion of persons, imaging the Holy Trinity, and that we first have to understand the dignity of our own personhood and our distinctive roles as male and female. Yet in talking to young people, they so readily accept the idea that someone can be a different gender based on how they feel, or that same-sex unions are okay because everyone deserves to be happy. These are the narratives that are running through our culture. So how can faithful Catholics respond to these ideas that are now mainstreamed, and how can we help our young people understand and appreciate the gift of their masculinity and femininity? Well, you know, um, I refer to the uh, experts here, and um, on my website I have links to um, some uh, programs that are really developing materials for the young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I particularly like to mention Teen Star and uh, Tobet and also Rural Woods who are um, providing curriculum for young people to, to understand the sacredness of, of their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, so my website is uh, com. But it's a false, uh, there is a false idea of mercy out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jesus told the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you, but go sin no more. Mm-hmm. And the last part is sometimes ignored. Right. So I like that phrase that you used, the phrase, everyone deserves to be happy. Mm-hmm. So while it is true, and it's certainly in our constitution, it can be also be used in a sentimental way. Um, this was something John Paul II um, uh, noted in his philosophy, that sentiment uh, is the particular vice of women, or it's particularly um, attributed to, to, to women. And men, he says, are more objective. Mm-hmm. So while sentiment can lead to mercy, it can also lead people away from the kindness of objective truth. Mm -hmm. And so really away from justice. Well, and I heard a good priest one time say, it's not charitable for me to confirm you in your sin. And I thought that was one of the most uh, strongest statements I'd heard regarding where you draw the line or what's the difference between mercy and loving someone to the point that you want them to change their ways because it's not good for them. Yes. Yes, I think that's that's absolutely right. And so um, he talks about a sentiment, and um, sentiment can either lead the the man beyond the um, uh, the physical, sexual, to a higher plane, or it can it can justify her uh, giving mm-hmm. in to the husband's desire and demands. So you mentioned three uh, places, Teen Star, Tobit, Tobit was yes. the second one? And Tobit rural... at Rural Woods, yes. Uh, and Teen Star is, uh, uh, is uh, Dr. Hannah Klaus uh, has been developing that. So that's, uh, the, the website is Teen Star, www. Teen Star. Okay. .org. And uh, she has been, uh, it's been better received uh, outside the United States. Um, but it's it really, uh, Dr. Hannah Klaus was asked by the Billings 
to develop something for teenagers. So it's teaching them how to monitor their cycles. Okay. Uh, and uh, it it leads to a respect for the fertility of the uh, the girl. Mm-hmm. And then Tobet. Uh, that's a that's a group of that that's the theology of the body evangelization team, and I believe they're in Texas, uh, and they develop beautiful materials for um, uh, schools. Okay. And Rua Woods uh, is also in Connecticut, and they develop curriculum too. And so these, there are links to these at your website, MaryTivananden.com, yes. and we'll yes. clear that up at the end. How to spell that and how to find it, we'll also include that in our podcast on our link so that people know how to find that. Yes, I think that, uh, and they're very, uh, they're very uh, anxious, eager to um, to spread the good news. Mm-hmm. Well, given the current culture and revelations that have even come to light within our church, how can the church's teachings even begin to break through to the society at large, especially given how far we've come since the introduction of contraception? Well, you know, there must be a patient re-catechizing of the people of God from false promises of modernism, and specifically, the danger of the contraceptive pill. It seems so innocent, but it has such far-reaching effects as we we have seen in the past 50 years. Uh, Secondly, I think the Christian message of sexuality and marriage must be presented as good news, Mm -hmm. not a series of do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. And that's what I try to do with my website. I try to make it good news because um, it is good news. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been discovered that couples who who really seriously um, practice the the church's teaching um, have better uh, communication and uh, they're less likely to divorce. Um, They're more likely to communicate with, with, with each other. Because it begs with the respect for each other from the very at the very yes. part of their being. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so I think it's important to show the beauty and richness of the church's teaching. But I think it might take quite a while because mm-hmm. the contraceptive pill is 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 such a uh, a convenience. It's very convenient, but I do feel as if there are a lot of people that are rejecting it um, because of they they don't you know the, there's this movement towards organic food and I think there's a little bit of a hesitation now that what what is this pill doing to me and I I, I see that often among young people uh, I don't know yes. that it changes their mind about um, their freedom to be sexually active whenever they want but it seems like there might be some movements away from some of this yes I think uh, I, I think you're right and so that just on that physical uh, level on that natural level but, uh, you know, it does come with a bit of a cross. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does come with, with accepting uh, God's plan for marriage and family. And, uh, but then I look at uh, other um, movements in our society. If you take Alcoholics Anonymous, um, if you know anything about that, that's abstinence from, from alcohol. So there is the, the and in order to for the for the person who is an addict to heal, they must believe in a power greater than themselves. And so that in a sense, there is a spiritual dimension going on there. 
And you did say, you mentioned in a, in a previous conversation a little bit about what you believe possibly could be the triumph of the Immaculate Heart. It would have to do with uh, this acceptance of Humanae Vitae. That would be one of the triumphs, maybe. I think that it would, because uh, it is so essential to uh, to marriage uh, to receive the person. I don't know how many times I've heard women say, um, when their husband has been willing to uh, sacrifice um, the conjugal relationship at the time when it, it, it is not appropriate for them to have another child, I feel like a queen. Oh, that's wonderful. That's beautiful. I mean, it's 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 so you know it's so common. It says, mm-hmm. And and also when they're pregnant, uh, that I feel fat and ugly, but I know that my husband accepts me. Well, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know and anything else you'd like to add to this conversation? And let us um, know, too, where they can get your book. Yeah, well, they can get my book from my uh, from Amazon. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Um, and um, so it's the, the Holy Family Model Not Exception. Uh, and they can also order it from my website, uh, and on my website are various uh, blogs, um, which which give uh, and and it's not just I I'm not the only person that blogs. Mm-hmm. I have a young college student who blogs on the site, mm-hmm. and I have uh, uh, two families that are in the midst of uh, of of uh, of their family life because I just don't. This is this is for young people, especially. So it's okay. not just me who has uh-huh. has much experience um, and the theology. Mm-hmm. So uh, yes, the book then uh, uh, the website again is www.maryshivanandan.com. And I'll just spell that for everybody: S H I V A N A N D A N. Well, thank you so much. We're so glad you're able to join us, and maybe we can have you on again. And we will pray for God's blessing on your continued work. Thank you. I I appreciate it. And I've I've enjoyed being with you. All right. Thank you again, Dr. Shivanandan. And we'll, we'll again have you some other time.